I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you? I am good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Good. Beautiful weekend here. I got to go to a baby shower yesterday, so it's been a fun week. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, it's a little warm here. Um, it's like yesterday was like 92 degrees. Um, so it's only um, a high of 50. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about heading to the pool after we're done. So I didn't, yeah, we don't go swimming in November in North Carolina, <laughs> Dawn. <laughs> People want to know why I live here. There's why. It might be hotter than hell in August, July and August, but man, oh man, it is beautiful. It's actually, it was a little bit warm yesterday, and it was a little bit warm this morning. I will, I will say that, but um, it is nice to go lay at the pool in, in middle of November. Yeah, I personally do not want to have my AC on in November. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I would ideally, like, you know, I grew up in North um, the Midwest. I grew up in northern Indiana, so having my windows open is something I love to do, um, and I still do it here. I haven't done it as much living in the apartment because I don't have the cross breeze that I would want with it, so I, I, I do really, really miss that. I think that's one of the biggest things that I even miss about having a house. Like, I, you know, I love having an apartment and not having to deal with a lot of crap, but... I do miss having um, a bunch of windows. See, I am the same way with the windows, and I'm also the person who, the high is 50 today, so we woke up this morning, it was probably 40 out there. Mm -hmm. I woke up to the window, so like my bathroom window and the bathroom window on the other end of the house, or one of the bedroom windows on the other end of the house, I leave them cracked just three or four inches because I want that fresh breeze, that fresh air to come in. I uh, like to have the windows open. Even like I remember, I would have it open, and it'd be you know even here it'd get cold, and the kids were always like, "It's so cold." Dylan would be like, "Cold, mom, it's so cold. It's cold in here." And I'm like, "Go put more clothes on." Like, yep, nothing, wrap up in a sweater. Right, nothing's better than a you know a good pair of sweats and a hoodie, and then a blanket on top of that, curled up on the couch, and it's a little bit chilly. Oh my god, that's just like that's heaven. That is. Oh, I love I miss it. That. So, all right. Um, how was your week? And good. Yeah, yeah. It was a pretty good week. Um, just you know, work in the house. Nice. So I had something happen last night. Um, so, and I'll just share it with you on here. Um, you know, I've been, you know, this year I've been really, really busy with, you know friends and making friends and being you know being a lot more active and out and so the last weekend I intentionally you know kind of was like I'm staying home Friday and Saturday and I went out Sunday night well this is the this weekend is the first weekend I have zero plans nice I thought so too until last night until really till yesterday you know I got up and I did a couple of things and went to my mom's and came you know took and got the car wash and then I came home and I'm here like at four o'clock and I'm like sat down I'm like okay I'm gonna watch some tv and I got bored like I was sitting there and I'm like I got to the point where I was sitting on the edge of the couch. I was so unsettled from just not having anything to do. You you have perked my ears. My ears are pricked up and listening. <laughs> and I'm so I'm work I'm actually going to work through this with you on here because I so we uh <laughs> 
So when you're bored and you are, sounds like crawling out of your skin to do something. Something. It didn't, like, I took the dog out for a walk, right? I did those things that I would know to do. You know, they'll... Sounds to me like you were avoiding something. I was. I I don't know if I was. I, I don't know what it was. I just felt so unsettled and, like bored and I actually was like well maybe maybe HP is telling me I you know maybe I should go on the dating site no I'm not doing that because I'm like and this was a conversation in my head I'm like no I'm not doing that because I'm not the one thing I'm not doing this time around is I always when I get a little bit bored or I feel lonely and I didn't even feel lonely that's what's funny about it it wasn't a lonely feeling I felt bored so you wanted to do something. Yes. And my there was that flicker of a thought. Let's, I, I'll just, you know, I'm sitting here. I'll just go on the dating apps, right? And maybe this time to get back out there. And But then I was like, well, no, you promised yourself that you would not do that. That when you decided to go, you were ready to, decided you were ready to date again. It would be from a very conscious place. I want to do this now and I'm going to do it. In the middle of like just using like a middle of the afternoon intentionally going on not a I'm sitting on the couch on a Saturday Friday Saturday night and bored so maybe that's all the lesson was right maybe the reason you were sitting there bored on the edge of your seat trying to figure out whether or not you wanted to get on the dating site is so that your higher power could determine if you were actually ready for the next step Oh. Well, I didn't think of it that way. Like, right? Like, I mean, think about the past. Every other time that you've been sitting on the couch, bored, at the edge of your seat, feeling the way you felt yesterday. Yep. You've gone right back to the dating apps. Or you've gone right back to filling your time with friends. Or you went back to this or to that. What did you do this time? Well, once I got through the feeling like and that's really what it was is like I sat on the edge of the I mean I literally just sat on the edge of the couch for a while and wait 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 you just felt your feeling for a little while (laughs) I did I did I sat on the edge of the couch and I just sat here I mean I like was just sitting there like "Hmm." and then looking around I didn't I didn't have the tv on I had hit pause on the show I was watching I there was nothing in the house Colin was in his bedroom quiet there was nothing going on and I just sat on the edge of the couch just sat there and I I thought about it why you're feeling bored and then I actually got up and I went in my bedroom to change clothes because I was still in my you know day clothes and I went up to put my jammies on and I was I actually had was having a conversation with myself you know well, Dawn, you're used to doing things every weekend. This is, it's not, it's good to have stillness. It's okay to have stillness. It's, right, this is, you know, you don't need to be overly busy all the time. You don't need to, right, because my life is usually, Friday nights are the only day at night I would have free, right? Everything, all my other days and, and evenings are filled. This weekend, it wasn't the case, right? I could have texted somebody and done a code call right I could have jumped on a meeting or I could have but in that case I feel like it would have been an avoidance to an avoidance of stillness avoidance of it's okay to feel where you're at what you're what's going on and walk and work yourself through it yeah I mean what I hear you saying is that Last night, a feeling came up that normally you would have avoided by filling yourself with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And instead of avoiding it, you faced it head on. You talked yourself through it. You felt what you needed to feel. And then what? Just let it go, hung out, relaxed, enjoyed the rest of your evening? Exactly. I mean, we're talking a matter of a couple of hours feeling because that I went through this. And then I found a show to watch, a new show, and I was all in, and then I'm all curled up on the couch and all comfy and binge-watching my show, and I was just as happy as could be. 
and then I went to bed. Yeah, so, I mean, to me, that sounds like growth. That sounds like awareness that you've been asking for that you haven't had up until last night. Well, thank you for that, because it felt pretty, I mean, like, right, I did this whole process. I worked through it, right? And I mean, that's, it's, I know that logically. Did it feel dirty? Did it kind of feel like you were sitting in your own shit for a little while? It felt gross, yeah. That's a, like, it just was like, I don't know. And I, I'm sitting here, and it's funny you can't see me, but I'm like, I'm like moving my shoulders around like this whole time we've been talking about it. I'm like, like my shoulders are moving and I'm like trying to like get something off my shoulders and get it off my back. And because, you know, I've told you that it starts in the middle of my back and crawls its way up to my head. And so I've like, I've been trying, like, that's what I felt like. That's what I felt like. I felt gross and dirty. And then I didn't feel gross and dirty anymore. That almost sounds like a step four, huh? Yeah. I mean, really, it sounds to me like that exact situation that you were talking about. While, yes, it felt not great in the moment. You were sitting in your own shit, quite literally. Not literally, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, And then you pulled yourself out of it, and you cleaned yourself off, and you moved forward. That... That is, that is codependence recovery right there, right? If you are in your codependency, instead of feeling bad and working through it and talking to yourself and examining it, you would have just jumped on that dating site and talked to the first guy that liked you. Oh, yeah. Been there, done that. <laughs> Been there, done that. So, it, way to not avoid your feelings. Thanks. Well, let's look at some ways... Um, thanks for that because I, but well, I kind of let it go and I actually had forgot about it this morning until we were just talking right now. And then I was like, oh, hey, I need to share this with her. Um, <laughs> that's so, awesome. I mean, yeah, that's like, right. What we're talking about right now is exactly what we were going to talk about this week is our, what is it? The avoidance pattern. Yeah. So let's look at some ways that how what it looks like to avoid um so that's, i'm just going to read the first one codependence often act in ways they invite others to reject shame or express anger toward them now wait a minute what do you mean because how how in the world could i invite someone to reject shame or express anger towards me i was going to ask you the same thing um, I think one of the first things that we do is be there for them no matter how they treat us. Yeah. Right? I mean, when somebody comes at me and they start yelling and pointing fingers and tell me how terrible I am, instead of laughing at them and walking away, my first codependent reaction is to show them and explain to them and to make them understand that I am not any of those things. Okay, wait, I'm confused. I'm really confused here for a sec because we're talking avoidance patterns, but you're talking about the somebody else and I'm not walking away. I don't you mean I avoidance patterns avoiding other people? Um, it could be, but a lot of times avoidance patterns are more like avoiding ourselves by allowing other people's opinions in. Okay. All right. So like in this situation, how can I act in a way that invites someone to reject shame or express anger towards me? The only way that I invite someone to do that is by staying around while they do it. So if someone rejects me and I'm like, oh no, I love you, please don't reject me. And they're like, all right, fine, I guess I won't, come here. I've just invited them to reject me again and again and again. If someone berates me and points their finger and screams and yells and I stand there and I yell back and I try to convince them that 
what they're saying is wrong and what they're doing is mean and I stand there and I argue and I bicker and I come at them and I I'm literally just telling them that I will interact with you and I will pay attention to your anger now it doesn't mean that I think I should just run away anytime somebody's angry right because that's avoidance also but right. at the same time I cannot avoid my own boundaries by allowing somebody to treat me any type of way they want and still exposing myself to it that's an invitation okay so what you're saying is it's I set a boundary or I expect something or whatever word you want to put into that blank and I don't stand by that or I overly stand by that and people reject shame or express anger toward me that is not healthy absolutely right okay. it, in recovery I act in ways that encourage loving and healthy responses from others so I speak to people the way I want to be spoken to and I only engage with people when they are speaking to me the way I want to be spoken to. So when I'm expressing my boundary when I'm healthy and I, I uh, do it lovingly Right, and that doesn't mean I love the person. It just means I do it from a caring, honest, authentic place. And if they don't do it, then I can just say, okay, and walk away. Absolutely. I, I mean, really, what other option do we have other than saying, okay, and walk, right? Either I accept your feelings and expose myself that, to them or I accept your feelings and don't expose myself to them or I reject your feelings. Someone else's feelings in my opinion cannot be rejected. They are theirs, they are their feelings. Rejecting their feelings simply isn't, like in my opinion I cannot tell somebody else you're wrong for feeling that way. They feel how they feel. So for me rejecting their opinion I mean, even still, you can either reject their opinion and stick around and convince them that they're wrong, or you can reject their opinion and disengage and walk away, <laughs> right? So whether or not I agree with their opinion, I guess, doesn't matter. But either I stay in the vicinity and I stay engaged, which is giving permission and inviting, or I walk away. If I stay in the vicinity and I stay engaged and attempt to convince them to feel something else, I am still inviting them to reject shame or express anger. I'm not encouraging loving and healthy responses. But if they are coming at me in a loving and healthy way, then in order to not avoid, I need to sit down and engage. See, I really liked this one in recovery because there was all, and, and there's a quite a few that I liked because of this reason, right? It kind of, I never thought I could do certain things. And when I realize in recovery, I can walk away or I can, I can walk away. There's just no other way to say it. I can walk away and I don't have to engage. I was like, well, this is awesome. Like, man I, I I it's okay to just turn around and say okay and walk away it's okay well, but to Dawn, just say thank you and walk away what if you say thank you and walk away or turn around and walk away and then you have to walk away every time you interact with somebody and you're not able to interact with them anymore though that's okay right it's okay well but doesn't it, that make me an asshole because I won't interact with them anymore but doesn't it make you more of an asshole if you just keep nagging the shit out of them? That and who would I rather be an asshole to, them or myself? Exactly. Right, a lot of times for me with codependency recovery, it comes down to 
Would I rather be an asshole to them or would I rather be an asshole to me? Because I'm never trying to be mean to them. Normally what happens when I get into a situation where there's rejection, shame, or anger, normally that situation is about me attempting to make someone see me differently or me attempting to make someone do something differently. And if I disengage from those two things, then by default, I'm allowing them to do what they want and I am seeing what they want. And at the the same time, still being supportive of myself. So something you said took me into the next one. Okay, so the next one, what is it? Codependents often judge harshly what others think, say, or do. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, and you shared a story with me earlier about someone that was always judging someone else. And that's what I thought of earlier, and I forgot to share it with you, was... When people, when people are, when I judge, um, you know, I'll just use I, when I judge other people harshly, it's usually more about me than it is about them. Well, yeah, I mean, I find when I'm judging other people, usually the things that I'm judging them about are things I don't like about myself or the things I'm judging them about are things that are going to hurt me, right? I'm trying to protect myself in some way. Right. Right. I don't want to, and that could mean not looking, like if I'm judging, let's say I'm judging you for the way you talk. I don't know. I'm pulling out something because I'm using that one because everybody knows how eloquent I think you speak. So if I judge you for speaking eloquently and that's really about me feeling less than right and then the other side of that too that I find is when I am judging anyone else it's usually also goes in line with me judging myself correct and it may not even be right like I might be judging you on the way you speak but feel like I speak extremely well What I find in that case is while I'm judging you on the way you speak, it really has nothing to do with the way you speak. It has to do with me feeling inadequate about myself in in other situations even and just using that one as an outlet. Right? So it may not have anything to do with how you talk. I might be judging myself because I... I don't know, I talk too loud. Or I might be judging myself because I don't talk enough. So what other things could we judge people about that would reflect on ourselves? Um, I look at it, oh, she's so skinny. Oh, she's so skinny. Right? It could be a physical because then yeah you know that's weird because I I, just that you said that next is weird to me because what we were just talking about and then to say that I am skinny I am five foot three and 105 pounds soaking wet I have never judged anybody about their weight and I've never worried about my weight But I know, sorry, but I know people that do worry about their weight tend to judge people on their weight. Right. And that's not to say that skinny people judge fat people or fat people judge skinny people. That's to say that someone who looks in the mirror and is not okay with how they look is going to judge other people on how they look. It may not even be weight. It might be their clothes are dirty or their hair mm-hmm. isn't done right or they have too much makeup on or they don't have enough makeup like who knows right i remember talking to someone who um they they were they're black 
and them looking at their dif- the difference in skin color where I don't feel basically oh this you know she she's so dark and she's so beautiful and she's just got such a great complexion and my skin's just light right that's a judging of of themselves like I'm not good enough I'm not dark enough you know it's 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 again you say that I used to judge myself that way I am pale and redheaded Casper all day long you can like I can't go in the sun or else I will get a sunburn and to go to the beach I used to go tan for three days first like to wear a dress I would buy lotion to make my skin tanner than it actually was because to be that pale was just not acceptable that one I relate to very much and I am a rarity I do you know having red hair and freckles I actually tan very very well but I am super pale without a tan see I don't tan I don't tan I burn yeah but see it, I'm lucky in that way but it is to to look and people comment it on it's crazy how many people comment on the the paleness or the the man your legs are white oh yeah knobby knees white legs there was this one time I was walking through the grocery store with my three children and my grocery cart was literally full to the top right like we went once a month grocery shopping so the cart was overflowing and this larger lady walked by and she was like ugh you need to eat some of the food in that cart and my oldest daughter they really are but my oldest daughter lost her ever loving mind and I was just like why are you so what if that's her opinion I don't care about her opinion and it really is if it's something that I don't feel negatively about myself something I do not judge myself on I don't judge other people on that either so if I find myself judging harshly or even judging someone else I really need to look at what it is I am judging them on and then I need to find my mirror. So I right you know that like I'm a plus size woman and we've talked I've talked about that and um, it's really crazy because I used to judge myself compared to others a lot and then once I kind of got into CODA and I rewired my brain and I realized like I can sit here and logically say I've had this happen I've had this happen I've had this happen and it is hard for me to lose weight you could say maybe the same thing it's hard for me to gain weight oh it's impossible right The other day I had McDonald's for lunch and then I got to work and they were having pizza. So I had two slices of pizza for lunch too. And I think I lost five pounds that day. (laughs) It's very literally impossible. (laughs) And it's so funny for you because if like you, we are such extremes. So what is your beverage of choice? What do you, do you drink from morning till night? Mountain Dew. Four cans a day, every day, all day. I do not drink water. I do not drink milk. I do not pass go. I go straight to the refrigerator, open a can of do, and it is literally with me all day. And I'm sure you're not drinking the zero. No, hell no. It is regular, full-fledged Mountain Dew. The green can, it comes out of the can. No zero, no water down, no none of that no. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. What did you have for breakfast this morning? McDonald's. Okay. Okay. How many times did you eat out yesterday? Um, only once yesterday because okay. I went to the baby shower. Okay. And I'm not, right, I'm not picking on you because so I'm, I'm going to share the contrast of what my life looks like. I literally do not pay attention to what I eat. If I get hungry and I have a craving for something... I grab it and I eat it and Mm -hmm. I eat as much of it as I want and actually nine times out of ten I have to remind myself hey I didn't eat in the last two or three hours I need to go get something to eat and 
I think most people kind of come at it with, oh, you drink soda and you eat fast food, so that's why you're overweight. Yeah, right? no, I'm it's, not. Yeah, I'm not overweight at all, and right, I drink soda and eat fast food all the time. Exactly. <laughs> all right. like, literally every day. Right. And I used to judge myself and others around that. I don't drink soda at all, ever. I don't eat fast food. I think the last time I had fast food was Culver's, and I had a, just a tenderloin sandwich, and that was probably three months ago. Yeah, no. I don't. Right, total I, opposites. Right, total opposites. But then you look at us, put us next to each other. Physically, we're total opposites. But it's in the opposite way, right? Exactly. Based off how you eat, you would expect yourself to be socially skinny, right? Yes. Based off your diet and what society says the best diet is and yep. how you should eat in order to look your best. Yep. You would expect you, yourself to be like a size two. Yeah. And the way I eat, you would probably expect me to be like a size 10 or a size 12. I don't know. But it, yep. it's actually the opposite. Exactly. I am and teeny I, tiny. But I think, and the th- what I think about this is that's where I had to rewire my brain, right? Because society says this, that, and the other thing about the way we look and what we eat, put in our bodies, that that is not a true statement. There are other factors Absolutely. that contribute to that thing. And so once I realized that and kind of accepted that and grasped a hold of what that truly meant, then I could let go of that that feeling less than in what my body looked like. Now, that doesn't mean, man, it'd be great if I could lose, you know, 100 pounds, 50 pounds, actually. But, okay, what am I going to have to do to do that? I, I, I've, I've done it. I've tried. It, like even, I've been on medication from a doctor to lose weight. I get to a certain weight, it just, stop, it just stops happening. Do you know I have done the exact same things in the opposite way? When I tell you, so like literally this is why judging other people is so detrimental to us and to them. Don, when you look at a picture of me, and, and I, this is not to come at you in any way, I already, right, we've talked yeah, about you're this good. before. When you look at a picture of me physically, what are your thoughts about, about how I feel about how I look? I think you love yourself. I think you think you are beautiful, you're confident in the way you look. And yeah, that's what I think. I would give anything to put on 30 pounds. To be this skinny, uh, literally I'm five foot three, I am 105 pounds, I wear a size two. To be this skinny, I am cold all the time. I cannot sit down for more than 10 minutes without my butt falling asleep. My knees hurt because there is no fat to, to cushion anything. Fat is what keeps us warm. Um, Fat is what keeps us comfortable. Fat protects our bones. Society says that a size two is what we should be. That's what's healthy. That's what looks good. As a size two, I can tell you, it's not. My head looks too big for my body half of the time. My hair looks bigger than my shoulders. My collarbones stick out farther than my boobs. And I have absolutely no cushion to sit down or stay warm. But I do love myself because that's who I am. I know I am gorgeous. I, right? It, it is just to say that just says to the point that there is not a single person who doesn't wish they could change something. So every time we are judging someone else, just know that our judgment is not anything compared to their own. They judge themselves much harder than we will ever judge them. Nobody can judge me as harshly as I judge myself. And I think that's true even for people that we think... Have it all? Or don't care. Yeah. Right? Th- those people that we think they're they're just 
alone and don't care and it doesn't hurt them and they're cold-hearted and they have no feelings I guarantee you those people whoever you're thinking about when I describe that they are judging themselves just as harshly as you are judging them even if we don't see it and it might not be about their body it could be about here's one of the here's one thing hey I have had curly hair I know you can appreciate this because we both have curly hair I have always had curly hair and there has been so many times in my life that I would be like man I wish my hair was straight oh man I wish my hair was like hers and straight but the thing about it is what again a shift in my in my mindset was oh wait a minute I can have curly and straight hair because I can just straighten my hair but the other person has to work really hard to get curly hair right it's just those mind that that mental thought process of always wanting what what we don't have that's it always being so being an open-minded and willing to accept myself and other people as they are right for a long time I hated my curly hair I shaved my head when I was a teenager because I hated my curly hair. I heard this rumor that if you shaved your head, your hair would grow back straight. I remember that rumor. I shaved my head to try to get my hair to grow back straight. It was so bad. Oh, my God. (laughs) And now I would never trade my hair for straight hair. I love my hair. I can't straighten my hair. It takes me three hours to straighten it, and as soon as I step outside, it gets curly again. Yes, right. I for literally like I'm not even exaggerating, but whereas I used to just try to hide it and I'd pull it back in a real tight ponytail and I'd like straighten it all the time as much as I could and I shaved it and now I love my hair. My hair is one of the things I love best about my physical appearance. And it's insane how, I mean, that's a 180 degree difference Mm -hmm. from where I was six years ago. So talking about all these judgments that we have, it kind of rolls into the next one. And codependents often avoid emotional, physical, or sexual intimacy as a way to maintain distance. And I'm thinking about this in kind of two ways. Right, so if I'm over here judging myself harshly, how do I ever expect to have a healthy emotional, physical, or sexual intimacy? And if I'm over here judging you harshly, how do I ever expect you to feel safe enough to have emotional, physical, or sexual intimacy? So by loving myself in my purest form of who I am, what I look like, right? There are times that I will be like, it's going to be harder for me to find somebody being, you know, being, you know, plus size because men out there they just they just want somebody skinny that's not what we're talking about here emotional physical and sexual intimacy does not come from the way my body is shaped or how curly my hair is but it does my mental capacity around that and my mental thoughts around that does affect it Right. If I don't like myself, I'm going to do everything I can. So intimacy is into me, you see. If I don't like what I see when I look into me, how am I going to let somebody else look into me? Exactly. In recovery, I engage in emotional, physical, or sexual intimacy when it is healthy and appropriate for me. So, right, another side to this would be, I mean, we talked about it earlier in in the low self-esteem patterns, right? Another side of this is not only avoiding it, but engaging in it when it's not right. 
I think a lot of times it's either one extreme or the other, right? A lot of times either I am avoiding intimacy at all costs because I'm afraid or I'm overly engaging in intimacy at all costs because I'm afraid. So I said, um, when we talked about low self-esteem, I, you know, said we were talking about the whole sexual um, part of it and just to recap on what that one was, it was, where is it, where is it? I don't know, maybe you can find it. Oh, accept a sexual intention when they want love. It's actually a compliance pattern. Um, I have always, I don't want to use the word always, my tendency has always been to use sex as a tool, as um, to get attention, to get... Um, acknowledged recognized right to feel better in my feel better in my skin I'm putting that in quotes um but that's not what we're talking about here right I'd like what I had to realize was sex was sex and intimacy are not the same thing they are so far from being the same thing and I what we're talking about here is is a connection Right, you can have an emotional connection, you can have a physical connection, and you can have sexual connection with someone. But that doesn't mean we're talking, it's not about the physical act of sex. That, to me, was a tool. That was what I thought it was. I was looking for intimacy, and I would go out, and I would find it in sex with a partner. But how are you going to find that? You can't find it because it's not the same thing. What I re had to realize was I engage in emotional, physical, and sexual intimacy and I create a connection with someone. So I have to find a person that can offer that to me. I have to have it with myself to be able to find that in someone else. And so, I think... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to go how that plays into the next one so finish oh, okay. what you were saying first okay so when I what I had to realize is that I can have emotional intimacy and I had to understand what is emotional intimacy CODA has given me emotional intimacy I have emotional intimacy every single day when I have a conversation with you with my sponsees when I go to meetings, um, now I've, I'm finding that outside of CODA with my, with my friends and understanding what emotional intimacy looks like, I can now take that with me down the road when I'm looking for a romantic partner. Physical intimacy, right? Physical intimacy is non-sexual I look at it right what I'm talking about here is non-sexual um, touching right the put with my partner or with someone is putting my hand on my shoulder touching someone's arm right touching someone's leg right we've Physical you and I intimacy exactly you and I talked about a while back the hand on the small of the back yes that's a big one for me that and um, in the car when you put your hand on someone's leg and they kind of lift their leg into your hand yes that or is holding hands yeah right or just even my ex-husband and I used to um, we, we wouldn't hold hands because he had bigger hands so like my fingers would be stretched <laughs> I don't have very big hands for as big as I am it's weird but um so my fingers would always be really stretched. So instead of doing it that way, we had our own little way to hold hands. That is physical intimacy because I don't, didn't, and I don't hold, I never hold, held hands with someone like I held hands with him. Absolutely. Right. Those, those are those little unique things. And I will, I'm going to 
go into sexual intimacy really quick. One of the things about sexual intimacy, and I didn't realize this, is right, I have to have sexual intimacy with myself. I have to know me. I have to know what my body likes, what my body doesn't like. I have to be able to understand me. That's what this is about. I can only engage in emotional, physical, and sexual intimacy when it is healthy and appropriate for me. It's because I know me. And the only way to do that is to not do the next one. Codependents often allow addictions to people, places, and things to distract them from intimacy in relationships. Mm, This is an interesting one, Ashley. So if I am constantly worrying about what other people think, say, feel, and do, if I'm constantly worrying about this person who is addicted to this thing and is putting this thing first in their lives then how am I possibly growing and intentionally creating a connection? How am I possibly letting this person see me if I am constantly distracted by them and what they are doing? So when you say addicted to people, places, and things, and this is right, this is a big one basis of codependency, when I think of addictions or I hear the addictions and I think some people as well probably go here is right. We're talking alcohol, drugs, food, but you're talking addiction to people, places and things, or you're saying people addictions to people, places and things. How can, is that similar to being like drugs and alcohol and sex and gambling and. Oh, it's the same, but it's different. (laughs) So, Once upon a time, a very long time ago, I was watching Dr. Phil, and I heard him say that he would describe addiction, if you are an an addict, you are addicted to something. The way you figure out if you're an addict is if that thing is interfering with your ability to live a happy day-to-day life. So when I say I am addicted to people, places, and things... It doesn't mean that anybody that pops up, I'm just all over them. All the time, nonstop, forever. What that means is helping someone else, fixing someone else, worrying about someone else's thoughts, feelings, and opinions allow me to not worry about my own thoughts, feelings, and opinions. It allows me to not think about my own people places and things because I'm worried about somebody else's people places and things does that make sense it does it does and I think the best for me the best way to say it as simply as possible is when I put someone someplace or something above me that's when I'm being codependent now, I, let's let's talk about that one a little bit for a minute because okay. is there ever a time where I can want something and I can, or I, I maybe it's not the best thing because it would negatively impact, right? Like, if I'm married and if I have a family, it's important to do what is best for me, but at the same time, don't I have a responsibility to my family? Well, nobody's saying you can't have, you don't have other responsibilities. What I'm saying here is if I say, oh, Ashley wants this and I'm going to give it to Ashley and I'm not going to take me into consideration, meaning I only have $20 in my bank account and what you need is 50 and I'm going to go in a hole for you and hurt me because I can't pay my electric bill and my lights are going to be shut off. That's not healthy. What if what if you have $50 in your bank account and your bills are only $10, which means you have 40 extra dollars and if you don't give this $40 to your friend, your friend might not get dinner tonight, but you really wanted to use this $40 to buy yourself a new outfit that you have been looking at. Like you've been, you wanted this money for yourself. Well, 
I think you have to look at patterns, right? Do, have I given you $50 40, 50 times, 20 times, 10 times, right? And your patterns are, I'm, you know, I just need it. I need, you know, I'm not going to be able to eat tonight. I'll pay you back. I get paid next Friday. I, you will be my first thing I pay. So you would take into consideration history and that person and yourself. What if what you need or what you want is going to hurt the other person, even though? Well, how do you define or how do we define what, how something is going to hurt or not hurt somebody else? How do we determine that? Can well, we I determine mean, that? I mean, if I want $20 for dinner and you say no, I, I'm going to be pissed off. My feelings are going to be hurt in some way, shape, or form. Well, I'm sorry for your feelings that or I'm sorry. And I'm not apologizing for the person's feelings, right? I'm, I'm sorry. I can't help you out. But I can't help you out. What if what you're going to give to that person it wouldn't hurt you to give but it, and and it wouldn't hurt them to to not have or or right what if you're asking for something from someone what if you're asking to have dinner with someone i i would like to just have dinner i miss you i want to spend some time with you i want to have dinner with you and that person doesn't want to have dinner with you i mean it's not going to hurt them to have dinner with you it wouldn't interfere in their life to have dinner with you they're just watching tv anyways so it would probably be good for them to have dinner with you but they still don't want to have dinner with you well maybe if they if they're just sitting there watching tv and it wouldn't hurt them to have dinner with them who says that for the last six nights and six days they have been go 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 and this is their one night at home and they need to sit at home so are you saying that it's none of my business why they are doing what they're doing or saying what they're saying? I just need to accept it? Exactly. People don't do shit because of how it's going to impact me. But People shouldn't they sh- consider how it's going to impact me? No. No. Now, I'm going to say that no, but I'm also going to say this. If they are coming about it from a respectful safe and respectful way at to me has nothing to do with me doesn't affect me thank you next keep it moving now if they come at me in a harmful way then it has then I can say something about it then because I have to protect myself but that could mean click that could mean, oh, I'm not, te- I'm just dead, you know, radio silence and text messaging. Put the phone down. Maybe silence those notifications so they aren't popping up like, right? There's, there's ways to walk away. Okay. I, 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 right. I mean, I think that, that, that really is the main part of it, right? In recovery, or, or, or yeah in recovery I practice my recovery to develop healthy and fulfilling relationships if I am forcing someone to spend time with me or to do something with me that is not a fulfilling relationship mm-hmm. if I am constantly convincing them that is not a fulfilling relationship and if I am in recovery I would not remain in a relationship that's not fulfilling if I was that would be an addiction right so Codependents often use indirect or evasive communication to avoid conflict or confrontation. That's the next one. And I think that really relates to what we're saying, right? Yes. Because instead of saying to someone, no, I can't come over for dinner tonight. I need some time alone. Codependents often will just not answer the phone. Or they will say, oh, I'm really tired. Do we have to do dinner tonight? Or... Hey, could you wait until maybe Friday? I'm I'm having a long day, and maybe I, I don't I don't know if I can really make it. Or maybe a codependent will walk in the door when and what they want to say is, "Why didn't you take the garbage out?" But instead, what they'll do is, 
pull the bag out and slam the cupboard door and then slam the garbage can lid and then slam the front door and then come back in and stomp to the kitchen and say, why isn't dinner done? When really yeah. all they wanted to do is say, hey, why didn't you take the garbage out? Been there, done that. Oh my God, have I been there, done that one. And in recovery, I use direct and straightforward communication to resolve conflicts and deal appropriately with confrontation. So that, that's what I was saying earlier, right? Using direct and straight, straight court forward communication, if someone is coming at me harshly or is coming yelling at me or being aggressive, I can turn around and walk away. That is straightforward communication that I am not going to engage with you. Absolutely. There's no other way to... Right. I, I mean, and I may even look at somebody and say, I'm not communicating like this and then turn around and leave. Right. But it- I, that is very, very straightforward. And mm-hmm. when I have a problem or I have an issue or, or there's a conflict, I need to be straightforward and deal appropriately. That doesn't mean that every single thing that happens is a cat- cat- catastrophe. That also doesn't mean that every single thing that happens is just a molehill that we should step over. There has to be appropriate levels of communication or dealing with in order to resolve conflict. So have you ever had it where you're in a, you're having a a conflict with your partner or someone um, and it's really you've heard what they're saying and you really just don't have like anything that you know is going to come out of your mouth is not just not going to go over well and wanted to say I hear what you're saying but I need a few minutes I need some time to kind of process this and I would like to come back to it and be able to have a discussion a further discussion around it Yes, there have been times like that, yes. Is that straightforward and um, direct and healthy communication? Absolutely. Well, why? Because to me, what I'm doing is avoiding it. Well, but you're not avoiding it. What you're doing is saying, hey, I need to process. Let's come back to this. And you're taking a pause to process. It's only avoidance if I don't come back to it. What if I don't come back to it right away? Let's say I need a a couple of days. As long as you communicate that, it's not avoidance. if if, If I get in a fight with my partner and then I storm out and I'm gone for three hours and then come home and don't talk and have dinner and go to bed, that's avoidance. But if I get in a fight with my partner and I storm out and then I come back and I say, hey, listen, I'm still cooling off. Let's address this tomorrow. That's a pause. That's not that's healthy communication. What happens if that situation happens and then you guys are going out later with friends and it kind of just, you know, life happens and things are good and oh, I'm just, I don't want to bring it, you know, it's like, things are good. I really just don't want to bring that back up. You know, that's actually the best time to bring that back up. Well, why? Because, because things things are are good. good. Because things are good. Because you're in a good place. They're in a good place. I'm in a good place. If you're in a good place and I'm in a good place, isn't that a way better time to have a hard conversation than if you're in a bad place and I'm in a bad place? Like, if you have a hard conversation and things are already hard, isn't that just going to make it even harder? Right? Things are going to be said and actions are going to be taken that maybe will multiply multi, multiply the situation by a thousand. Instead of making it better or lessening it. Right. But I think that goes to intention. Right? If my intention is to be right... I'm going to bring it up when things aren't good because I'm so focused on being right. 
I think a lot of times people don't even give a second thought, like, or even a first thought. I think most of the time people do not even know what their intention is in having a conversation or a conflict or communication. Um, I think usually somebody gets their feelings hurt and once my feelings are hurt, there something's going to happen. I'm not even like examining why are my feelings hurt, what caused my feelings to be hurt, and what do I want out of this communication. I'm just spewing things out and expecting them to take it in. So let's say I am capable in because of recovery to to evaluate my feelings and process what I'm going, you know, going through and then come back to my partner intentionally with with what I want to work through but my partner doesn't do that and so he they are coming from still this crazy unhealthy point how do you make that work I mean I can't make anything work what I can do is say what I need to say and stand up for myself and be authentic and live with integrity in a kind and compassionate manner. If they can't hear it, they can't hear it. At some point, I just, had to, I just have to decide to accept that they can't hear it. Or I have to decide to accept that I don't need to say it. If I need to say it and they can't hear it, then they are not the person for me to say it to. Well, when you're saying you need to say something, well, if I, well, but actually I need to get my, I need them to understand my point of view. No, that's control. You don't need them to do anything. You need yourself to do something. You need to speak up for yourself. You need to say what you feel, but you can't make them anything. You can't make them understand. You can't make them hear. You can't make them listen. You can't make them take it in. You can't. When I examine my intention, if my goal is to make them anything, I need to not do it. Actually, I think that's a really good place to kind of stop today. I like that too. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're only about halfway through the avoidance patterns. We um, are, yes. But um, so we could pick them up next week. Yeah, definitely. We'll wrap. How about we just plan on wrapping up avoidance patterns next time? And that will actually wrap up all of our codependent characteristics, codependence often. Yeah, it will. It will. So then we can venture into a a new topic. Yay, I'm excited. All right. Yeah, well, thank you, listeners. And thank you, Dawn. Yet another wonderful podcast. I truly enjoy it. So, Ashley, I got I to gotta remind you of something. Do you remember what we were doing a year ago today? Well, about a year ago? I think we were planning our first podcast, weren't we? Yes, we were. Isn't yes, that crazy? We were right so yeah we are very close to january 3rd will be the a year when our podcast came out um we started recording i think three weeks before that so the first part of december um so we are we're hitting a year mark gosh that's so crazy i can't believe it's been that long already i know the other day i was thinking like wait have I been in CODA for two years or three years? And it has been almost three years. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how time flies. It does. And and I to look back, because like, you know, I, like I'm, I'm hit, hit five years this way. You're in, to look back five years ago, like. I'm a different ago, person. I am literally, that, that, I'm not a little different. I am completely almost a different person. Like there's so many things about me that are the same and that are extremely strong character traits. But then there's so many other things about me that just aren't even there at all anymore. 
Um, yeah, it's crazy. Just and, and I'm just going back three years. The difference is outstanding. You know, I think that would be a great, maybe a, a good podcast talking about how life has changed in recovery. Like basically looking back the, the before and I think the, that's a great idea. Okay. So a couple of weeks we'll do that one because, and then we'll get that out. Um, holidays are coming up, so great time for talk to talk about gratitude and new beginnings and higher powers. So a lot going on in the next couple of months or a month and a half. So I'm really excited. Me too. All right, everyone, have a wonderful week, and uh, you too, Don. Thanks. You too. Talk to you Bye. later. Bye. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.